0: hello today is september 7th 2021 welcome to the gridiron fantasy football podcast A breeze, and this is the first Tuesday podcast of the year. And as I've stated in the past, we're gonna have two of these a week: one on Tuesday, one on Thursday. The Tuesday segment will be mostly about NFL current events, general fantasy news. While the Thursday show will be about the gridiron and our weekly matchups. <clears throat> we want to do this to shorten these episodes, not try to pack it all into one big fat episode on Thursdays, because you know. We're going to be busy on Thursdays for a while. You know what I mean? Uh, Got some games coming up. All right, so uh, I'm going to kick it off by talking about Deshaun Watson because why the hell not? Oh, don't turn me off. I I promise this will be the last time I talk about this guy, you know, until he gets traded or decides he wants to play for the Texans or something crazy like that. The reason I just can't stop talking about the situation is, well, a, it's mind blowing to me that the Texans were up 24 0 in the second quarter against the Chiefs in the divisional playoffs two years ago. And a year and a half later, Tyrod Taylor is the starting QB and Deshaun Watson is on the roster still. That's just batshit crazy. Why batshit? I don't know. Why is the society that we've decided that batshit is the greatest shit? No idea. B, I was positioned as a 10th pick in this year's fantasy draft, not only in the gridiron, but across other leagues. I usually do this weird thing where I mold all my other fantasy drafts off the gridiron. It's my master list there, making it seemingly possible, if not probable, that most of them end up with a similar finish and and in turn have a corresponding draft pick. So yes, it was a 10th year, and I honestly was at a loss this year on on uh, what to do with it. I struggled to come up with a competent draft strategy this year more than other years, mainly because I just, I haven't drafted here. Like, like ever in, in 20, almost 20 years of, of fantasy. I I've never drafted with the 10th pick. So it, because of this part of my drafting strategy this year became to take a flyer on Deshaun Watson just later, just in case by some miracle, he takes a field in 20 2021, Uh, In no way am I depending on it, okay? So I'm not trying to say that my season depends on Sean Watson taking the field. uh, But if you can get a guy who's last year's QB6 overall for free, basically free in drafts, I mean, it's worth a shot. So the week leading up to the 53-man cut down for NFL teams became almost like a Watson watch, all right? It felt very Favre-esque. And for those of you who don't know what that is, is, is you know, reporters out in front of Favre's house, Brett Favre was coming back to the Vikings, teammates trying to convince him to come back, you know, huge deal, he ends up coming back, It's so very exciting, this was not even close to that, but it felt like that was the big story of the day, and here's why, you know, a report came out saying that the Eagles and Texans came to an agreement a few weeks back and that it was nixed by Watson because he has Full autonomy over his landing spot in any trade, and whether this is true or not, it does sound like the Texans were ready to move on from the "we will never trade him" stance they had earlier this year, which gets me excited because maybe we can finally put this whole thing behind us and have an actual future as a franchise. Them abandoning that stance for, was for good reason too, because if if they were going to keep him on the roster this year and and not play him, he's going to get paid a cool ten million dollars to sit on the couch. That's more than double the guy that the Texans are paying the second most, which shockingly is Eric Murray, the starting strong safety. So so apparently Watson was holding out for approval of a trade to the Dolphins, which makes sense. I mean, he went to college at Clemson in South Carolina and had some Texans connections that made the trip across the Gulf, including their potential wide receiver one, Will Fuller V. So, of course, the Texans asking price is going to be astronomical, right? Star QB, legitimately a top five at his position who could spend the next decade for any team competing for a championship, something that Texans very much planned for themselves. So three firsts and a second round pick is not a lot or is a lot, but you have to realize the Texans sent over two firsts and one second to the same dolphins two years back for Larry Tunsell, Kenny Stills, a fourth and a sixth. I know I'm bringing up uh, bad memories, but uh, you know, we seem to be going through some kind of front office nightmare when that happened, uh, but the the precedent has been set. Okay, We can trade multiple first-round first round picks, multiple second-round picks back and forth. Uh, I, I think the product that we're sending over to them is a little bit better than what they sent to us. So if you're the Dolphins, do you do it? Obviously, everybody on the planet is going to say no, because Sean Watson is public and number one right now. And it's really bad look to mortgage a majority of your team's short term future for a guy with 20 plus sexual assault accusations. Some of them being pretty embarrassing in nature, like on top of what he's being accused of is, you know, it's already egregious and scandalous. It's also kind of weird, and bizarre, and we can laugh at it all we want. But Brian Flores came out and said. We want only high-character guys. And a guy asked for a finger in his butt might not fit Brian's profile. So, yes, it looks dim, but someone, someone in the NFL is going to get Deshaun Watson. He's going to play in the NFL. Maybe not this year, but once all this blows over, and it will blow over, he's going to be playing football at a high level somewhere. Media folks and anonymous Twitter users and, you know, all these people out there who love to play the woke finger-pointing game saying this guy will never play another down in the NFL again make me laugh so hard. Like, do you watch NFL news? Ezekiel Elliott, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill all had assault charges brought against them by women. I mean, come on, Robert Kraft. There are people in the Hall of fame who've had some pretty damaging accusations against them. No, no, no. This is not me defending them. But because I have no say in the matter, it is what it is, you know. Regardless of if he's convicted of a crime or just pays out a civil suit, at some point he's going to play football. He's too good not to. And I know it's sad to say, but in today's world, if you can play football at a high level, uh, there's there's a lot more forgiveness out there for you. Um, yeah. I don't think this is a Darren Sharper situation, and, and we would be really surprised if it turned out to be. And for those of you who don't get that reference, Sharper was convicted of drugging, raping multiple women in 2014, currently serving 20 years. I don't think this is that situation. I think Deshaun made a mistake. I just don't think it's that big. All right. So the, the my point is right now there's only one suitor, and that's Miami Dolphins. The Texans were not going to give the shithead discount, which is completely obvious what The dolphins were looking for that and their, their owner Steven Ross was pretty much begging to get Sean Watson, uh, you know, for, for different reasons. Uh, but if you buy at this price, whatever the Texans were asking for, you lock him up. He's a dolphin. The next offseason, even though the dolphins are confident that they will still be front runners, you have no idea what's gonna happen. All right, there could be five teams in the mix looking for Watson. As far fetched as it could be, he could reconcile with the Texans. A million different things could happen. So, but you know, I was rooting for something to happen. Obviously, the looming charges and the fact that every team felt like they were so set at the QB position so late in the preseason were just too much uh, for anybody to make a move right now. And, and and part of me understands that. Yeah, I mean, the QB market right now, I feel like it's so strong. I'm sorry, not the QB market, but the QB play right now in the in the NFL is so strong. There were five rookie quarterbacks taken uh, this year. Uh, a lot of them uh, could have starting jobs early. So, you know, there's not a lot. I mean, we look at Cam Newton, there's not a lot of room for quarterbacks right now uh, or people that are going to give up a ton for a quarterback. Um, but so, you know, we, we probably, chances are, we're not going to see him this year. Uh, it would take, like I said, him reconciling with the Texans, the Dolphins saying that's enough of Tua, we, we, we're not giving up on this year, uh, let's go ahead and make that trade. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. And I promise that's it about Watson. That's it. I'm not going to talk about him until he resurfaces, if he resurfaces. But let's talk about the Ravens backfield for a second. So even though I wasn't uh, high on J.K. Dobbins this year for a multitude of reasons, losing your first and third string running backs to the season hurts and significantly changes the game plan, all right? You have to play the Steelers and Browns four times this year, and those defenses were both top 10 against the run in 2020. So you better get this together, and you better get it together now. So how do you solve this problem? Gus Edwards, aka Gus Bus, has been a quality fantasy player and a nuisance to both marking room and J.K. Dobbins owners the past few years, but it's far from a franchise three down back. So there's plenty of work to be had in in this backfield. And while I stand by the fact that having a running back that shares a team with a premier running quarterback is a nightmare, it's not like you have to spend some serious fantasy capital on any of these guys. Who do I like the most here? Uh, Let me check my notes. Uh, Tyson Williams? Nah, I'm joking with you. This guy actually looked good prior to all these injuries. Uh, I'm not saying he would have significant role with JK there, but he beat out justice Hill for the number two prior to justice hitting, hitting the IR. So the Ravens seem to like him. And as you know, I'm a big running back PPR guy. I like running backs who can catch. And if there's one thing that Gus is not the pass catcher 18 balls in three years is a change of pace guy for the Ravens. So some Tyson fresh legs coming in on passing downs can be a real thing. Something maybe you didn't know. He ran a four-four-eight at the combine, uh, and this is the combine during the COVID thing. This would be his second year, uh, and that probably would have been uh, a more significant name. He probably would have been a more significant name in fantasy circles if he didn't tear his ACL during his senior year at BYU. Love his draft value in this year's fantasy draft. I'm sure uh, he'll have some extremely juicy TD props. On that monday night football game so so keep an eye out for that but i love me some tyson williams right now uh speaking of gambling let's go over we'll try to make this a weekly thing let's go over who i like this week i had a pretty successful year last year finishing firmly in the positive positive. and while i finished on a sour note underestimating the tampa bay d-line against a rag chiefs o-line i think we can start this year off on a good note okay i don't want to jinx myself and thursday night i feel like is an easy win for the buccaneers fans okay uh, I know home teams on opening nights have a, a real offsided record. Um, Bucks have taken care of the Cowboys seven of their last matchups, seven of the last eight matchups, which it really doesn't matter to me. But the fact that the line moved from Bucks minus seven to now Bucks minus eight, that absolutely does. I hate betting on spreads more than a TD unless it's a sure thing. And although the Bucks ended last year on fire, they started last year super slow. I do think the Bucks win. I don't think... I, I'm not confident on them winning by more than eight. I also don't feel confident betting on the Cowboys' defense at all. Like, in any form. So betting on the Cowboys plus eight or betting on the Cowboys straight up is just not an option. Uh, so I come to the conclusion. We're going to see some points one way or another. Let's take the six-point teaser. Bucks minus two and the over, which originally would have been 52... Uh, let's do 46. So bucks minus two over 46. Lock that up. You probably get one to one odds. You know, throw 100 on it. It's a good bet. Uh, Sunday. Sunday is going to be a blast. But week one is always scary betting because of all the mystique around the league. One thing I am confident about though is that the Jets aren't going to turn around a team in one off season with a new coach, a wonder kid QB, and Corey Davis. It's just not going to happen. They're going to be bad this year. Uh, if if Zach Wilson's going to be a, a QB in the NFL, it's going to take him a few years to, you know, um, acquiesce to the NFL. So it's going to be a work in progress. However, the Panthers are a legit wildcard contender that gets an easy matchup at home. Give me the Panthers by five, minus five and a half all day. I'm probably going to go pretty heavy there. Uh, I love Sam Darnold in this matchup against his former team. Uh, I think this is a two touchdown game. So give me the Panthers minus five and a half. Um, that's it. That's our, that's the first episode of the year guys. And you know, I'm sorry to keep it short. Uh, yeah. our My good friend, Scott Shegg is partying up in France right now. So he'll probably uh, not be here Thursday to go over our preseason rankings picks, but I will have Max breeze here to fill in. And we will talk about the Grinner. We'll talk about matchups. We'll talk about, uh, Everything uh, going on in the NFL. Uh, it's exciting, my friends. It's exciting. Football is here, and uh, I, we're going to have a hell of a year. All right. Good luck, everybody. And we will see you guys on Thursday. See ya.